Hi everyone, welcome to Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. I'm Aaron Meikle, your host as usual, um, and today we're talking beef and beef genetics, specifically a seven-year-long $16.7 million program called Informing New Zealand Beef, which you may have seen getting some, some media out and about. Certainly there's been a wee bit on uh, Beef and Lamb New Zealand's various channels. So to explain what it is and why it's worth all that time and uh, particularly all that money, I'm joined by two of um, our key Beef and Lamb New Zealand staff involved in the program, Dan Breyer and Anna Boyd. So actually, Anna, I'm going to start with you first. Um, not so much who you are, but what's your role and uh, what do you do day to day? And I guess, why have you ended up in that role? Right. So my role at Beef and Lamb is genetics operations specialist for beef. Uh, so Within my role, it's quite uh, multi-dimensional. So I am the operational lead of the progeny tests that are run by Beef and Lamb Genetics. So that includes the beef progeny test, the dairy beef progeny test, um, and any other research that may be associated with beef. I'm also heavily involved in the extension and education of, of farmers in relation to beef breeding and genetics. And uh, the point of contact between commercial breeders stud breeders and the organisation. Uh, how I obviously came into the role, I was actually extension manager first for Beef and Lamb for two years, but everybody that knows me knows that I am obsessed with cattle. So it was a natural progression for me to, to move into a role that was 100% uh, beef focused. And uh, the program, we're going to talk more in detail about what it actually is, but it's taken up a fairly significant amount of your time. It is. Well. It will, it is, but um, obviously I am still across all progeny tests, but yeah, probably moving forward, very focused on this program and, and the success of it. Yep. Okay, Dan, um, so your job title is General Manager Farming Excellence, but you also have a, a role with Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics, and we'll talk a bit more about who they are and what they are, but so what do you do? What's your involvement in this program? Hi, Aaron. Um, so I'm, yeah, as you say, General Manager of Farm and Excellence with Beef and Lamb. So that sort of encompasses a few areas, particularly focused behind the farm gate for Beef and Lamb. So um, the major few, are we, uh, I'm responsible for our research programs where we're looking to discover new new things for farmers, new solutions for farmers. Uh, we look at our, our genetics program, and so that's across the beef uh, and the sheep and dairy beef, as uh, Anna mentioned a moment ago. Also extension products and design. So this is building new tools for farmers and, and getting those that information into the hands of farmers. And uh, more recently as well, farm planning. So um, quite a quite a wide range, an interesting range of topics. Essentially what we're trying to do is discover and develop new solutions for farmers, um, then turn them into tools and resources to help farmers um, on their farms. Okay, and specifically, uh, tell us a bit about beef and lamb genetics then. Um, obviously, your general manager of Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics is figuratively another hat you wear. Um, but about that role and who, what Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics are, where they've come from, because there's been a couple of name changes certainly over the last decade or two for those that have been around that long. Yeah, absolutely. So Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics was known as BLG or Beef and Lamb Genetics. Uh, it started as its own organisation uh, around eight or nine years ago now. Um, with some funding from MB to really work on our sheep genetics program. Um, that organisation based down in Dunedin has done some really, really great stuff and has helped underpin the success that we've seen in the um, genetic improvement in our national sheep flock. Then uh, around two years ago, that um, organisation came to an end, that funding stream came to an end. And so Beef and Lamb decided, as the, as the major shareholder, decided to bring Beef and Lamb New Zealand genetics back inside the organisation. So now Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics is a um, business unit within um, Beef and Lamb New Zealand and um, fully funded by Beef and Lamb New Zealand and, and staffed by uh, people like myself and Anna. Cool. So um, we're talking beef today, but just as a bit of background, obviously 2001, 2000, there about Sheep Improvement Limited came into being. That's still separate or is that that's just basically a sub a brand or sub part of Beef and Lamb Genetics, Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics? Yeah, absolutely. So Sheep Improvement Limited is, is a crucial part of what we do in the sheep um, genetics. And, and there's, as you say, there's been a number of, number of um, organisations and names, things like Catapult and, and others along the, along the route. 
Um, but Stream Improvement Limited still underpins our genetic evaluation and how farmers get access to our, our genetic evaluation for sheep. Right. <clears throat> Which is a nice segue and leads us on to how we've operated and where we're planning to operate in the beef genetic space. So, um, Dan, this is probably one for you that we're going to get into some real detail, but it, in, in a couple of sentences, the elevator pitch, what is informing New Zealand beef? So, in one sentence, informing New Zealand beef is an attempt to replicate what we've done with sheep, quite frankly. So, um, there's, a, there's a number of pieces to it, but essentially what we want to do is um, give our beef breeders the opportunity and the, and the tools to make really good genetic decisions, set up the infrastructure underneath New Zealand's beef industry like we do for our sheep industry so that farmers or groups of farmers can make really good decisions uh, and improve the rate of genetic gain um, in their herds uh, in our conditions. So genetic gain, I think again this is one for you Dan, genetic gain, breeding programs, EBVs is not, this isn't new to beef, it's already existing but currently it's under the the, the breed plan set up. New Zealand does most of its genetic improvement in beef through breed plan? Yeah, absolutely. So my understanding of the history is sort of 20, 30 odd years ago, um, the New Zealand meat board or, or someone, um, groups of farmers made the decision to, to do our beef evaluations uh, offshore. And so, if, as you say, breed plans are a major supplier. If that's not the only supplier, there's other um, uh, breed evaluations around the world, which different breeders and breeds use. Um, the idea of what we're working here, we don't want to replicate breed planning, Breed plan's really good and, and does some really excellent things for um, individual farmers and individual groups of breeds. Um, but what we're trying to do is, is really place that into a New Zealand context. So, for instance, there might be um, traits which aren't, um, you know, the traits that breeders want to breed for, which um, breed plan, you know, just isn't important to the Australian um, industry. Um, we're really interested, and I'm sure Anna will talk talk more about um, assessing across. Um, our breeds and um, and the hybrid vigour that comes from that. Um, so so our goal is to try and use that information and help our breeders um, use breed plan um, if they want to, and at the same time use use that information to help improve uh, the genetic gain here in here in New Zealand. Okay, so breeders will still be using breed plan. Uh, farmers will still see breed plan information, but as alongside that is what you're saying is going to be. Uh, figuratively, uh, an SIL for beef. Yeah, potentially. Yep. Okay. Cool. So, um, why now? Why is it the right time to be doing that? Uh, yeah, really good question. Um, first off, is that we've we've done the hard yards with the sheep, right? So we have a really good understanding at a, a, at that deep maths um, level. Uh, how do how do you how do you put all of these different breeds on the same? Um, the same playing field. How do you do the maths that can handle that? So we've 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 done that. We've built a, a tool called Improve, which um, hopefully many people have had a chance to have a have a look at now, um, which is SIL, I guess, or Sheep Improvement Limited, which we talked about before, 2.0. Um, so it's a, just a much much more user friendly and available system for farmers to to access genetic information. So we've got that infrastructure built. We've done a lot of the heavy lifting. Now we need to do the underlying work for the beef and replicate that across. Uh, I guess, a, and a really important part of it is that we will will we'll work really hard to help our farmers understand, our commercial farmers understand these tools and how they can use them to make good decisions on their farm. So, What's it actually going to do? I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at what it's it's planning to develop, and I don't know whether which one of you wants to answer this. What is the program going to do over the next second years? And, and again, we'll drill into this in more detail, or the next seven years rather. And, and a bit of a summary, what's actually happening? Uh, how, about, how about I'll start with that, and then you can chip in, Anna. Um, so there's essentially five streams of work. The first is... Um, getting alongside the industry and working out what are those key um, areas that the industry wants us to work on and help them develop um, and find solutions there, right? So this might be greenhouse gas um, greenhouse gas measures or, or how much um, the facial eczema or uh, growth rates. What, what are those things that people are really interested in us working on? Um, the next bit is figuring out how we measure those. Some of those traits um, at the moment can't be measured, so we need to develop a bit of a, a how do we actually do that. Um, then we get on to 
actually collecting that data. And so some of that will be through progeny tests. Uh, so that's that's a central area where the where the bulls are measured and the and the offspring are measured alongside each other. Um, some of it will be through collecting data off commercial farms or through the meatworks and feeding that information back to the evaluation. Uh, the next string of work is um, the maths and the databases, and it, uh, it really can't be underestimated the huge amount of effort and and um, knowledge that we've got at Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics that we'll be able to bring to that uh, for the sheep, and it's it's just incredible. The the knowledge that the team has is uh, really blows my mind. And then finally, and certainly not least, is the extension. How, how we get this information back into the hands of farmers who make the decisions on farms. You know, in, in our lifetime, in our farming lifetime, we sort of get the opportunity to make a breeding decision about 30 times, right? So every time has to be really, really um, well thought out. So, so the extension is a really crucial part of the program. And Anna, did you want to add to some of that? I think Dan covered it uh, very well, but I did probably obviously just want to touch on the importance of the extension in education part of the program, because what we want is there's there's no point in developing these new genetic tools if farmers do not know how to use them or utilise them to their best ability. And we also uh, need them to, to continue to use and understand the the tools that they currently have available to them through breed plan and um, ultimately that's you know we want farmers to make the best selection choice sire selection choice that's fit for their breeding objective that's fit for the environment and the more information that we can give them in terms of key messages that we get from the beef progeny test whether it be related to uh, cow fertility or carcass information so provide them with that information educate them on how to to use it and then obviously hopefully you know help them make the best selection uh, choices and continue to make those best selection choices into the future as well awesome. so let's um actually another question for you Anna we'll expand on that a wee bit um Dan's mentioned and both you've mentioned as well various trays and things in there so um is the program bringing in new trays? Um, what sort of trays is it bringing in? And particularly, I think you mentioned, and it's been in some of the media around uh, new trays for environment and animal welfare. What's happening in that space? So with the, the new potential traits that we'll develop as part of the Informa New Zealand Beef Program, these will firstly only be developed after considerable industry input, and that will be via an industry survey to commercial beef farmers, stud breeders as well, but also um, other stakeholders. And that's uh, collaboration with breed society members, but also our industry advisory group members that are part of the program. So these traits won't be just decided by us um, being beef and lamb genetics, but we'll have that collaboration. And obviously we're working on this at the moment, but the traits, you know, may be unique to challenges that are unique to New Zealand, such as facial eczema. It's something that's obviously already here. Um, and if you've been to any conferences in the past few years, it's something that will increase over the islands as well. But it also might be traits that are globally recognised, but we really want to front foot as a country because of commitments we've made. So that, you know, obviously links back to those emissions. But, um, and then there's also traits that uh, or selection tools that aren't actually available to our beef farmers at the moment. So that's a trait such as body condition scores. So something we've found as an example from our progeny test data already is that farmers are actually using the ribbon rump fats as a selection tool for body condition score. What we've found from our analysis of our data is that uh, is actually not a good indicator. It's actually only 25%. So it's the only tool they have available to them at the moment. It's a very blunt tool. So, hey, what about we, you know, develop a body condition score EBV so that if farmers are wanting to select for cow condition score, they can actually select it by using a BCS EBV. Okay. Yeah, and just, so things and just, like body... Sorry, Dan. Yep. Sorry. Go, Dan. Um, just to add to that, right, so body condition scores, are, um, while it's a productive trait and an important productivity trait because we know that it's linked to um, body condition scores linked to fertility and these other things it's also a welfare trait right um 
cows that are in good condition um, aren't skinny and have all of the welfare challenges that come with that. So often these things go hand in hand, welfare, welfare, uh, environmental, um, environmental sustainability and production actually often do work um, in concert. Yeah, and I think also if you think about it from a consumer point of view, so, you know, it does link to the animal welfare. We don't want skinny cows. I mean, cows do have the ability to kind of um, band-aid a bit in terms of uh, of their condition, but we do have to think about, you know, what our consumers are uh, visually seeing and perceiving of our animals here in New Zealand. So condition score is definitely linked to animal welfare. So you're talking about, you know, things that um, may be quite specific to New Zealand or parts of New Zealand like FE, things that New Zealand beef breeders, beef farmers want to focus on, like body condition score and so on. Um, so, I mean, is that in a nutshell what this is about, just having something that's better genetic selection and improvement tools for New Zealand situation? I Anna? think, yes. So I think, obviously, the better picture that we can paint of a bull in yep. terms of his... Um, ability to or what his progeny will perform or look like or potentially not look like but you know obviously structurally as well is really important and you know that might be a trait we look at as well in terms of um, feet structure and longevity but the better picture that you can paint of a sire in terms of how he's actually going to perform within a commercial environment the better so there's also you know obviously increasing that sweet of genetic tools we have available but I also think one of the biggest uh, value adds for a commercial beef farmer is if you ask any beef farmer if they would like to be able to compare bulls across breeds mm. for example an Angus bull against a Hereford bull they would all say a big yes because yeah. obviously at present uh, estimated breeding values and indexes available for bull buying selections are actually only within breed only and the actual figures for each trait can be very different so for for example a farmer that may run two breeds it's very confusing going to one sale where a 200 day weight or equivalent of a weaning weight is a certain value and then they go to another sale of a different breed and it's completely different so the aim of you know one of the biggest biggest aim and biggest benefits to our farmers is to enable this comparison across breeds so that they can make the best selection for their system, their environment, irrespective of breed. Good. That was actually one of my follow-on questions, so you've covered it nicely. But Dan, did you want to have more to add, or is she actually taking the wind out of sails there? Um, no, I have just a little bit. Um, back to sort of Anna's earlier point there around um, around what traits might be picked or not. One of the goals of the program right, is for us to build that underlying infrastructure. Individual farmers and groups of farmers are going to respond to the market um, and respond to their environment based on what's really important for them, right? And we're never going to be able to pick the magic um, future cow. Our job is to make sure that the tools are underlying so that farmers can decide what's important to them mm. and they can hunt off in that direction. Maybe it'll be a producer group that are supplying a, um, a processor who's taken it to a supermarket in Vietnam. I don't know. But but that group hopefully will be able to use our tools to to chase whatever selection is important for them and for that market. Yeah. So and that was again another question that um you you two have both used the word better a lot. Um whereas often people tend to think of best in this, but ultimately this isn't about beef and lamb New Zealand saying this is the best cow mm. breed, et cetera, for your uh, but what you're talking about here is replicating some of the things that, that sheep genetics in New Zealand have brought in, you know, a specific tool or a more specific tool for New Zealand across flock, across breed analyses and so on. What's the evidence, and this is a bit off the talking points that we talked about beforehand, but from sheep, what's the evidence that that has actually worked? Um, is there some evidence there that this is going to be of benefit to beef as well, that these things sound good, look good, but do they actually make a significant difference for commercial farmers? Yeah, good question, Aaron. Um, good, yeah, excellent question. So, so the short answer is yes. Um, I don't have the numbers at my finger tape, at my fingertips, but we could pull up genetic gain graphs that show uh, the genetic gain that we're making year on year uh, on things like the New Zealand Maternal Worth Index or the New Zealand Terminal Index, to, um, compared to what that would be without the underlying tools, the genomics and the um, and the ability to make a good selection. It's actually trickier in beef, right? Because 
sheep have a have a couple of natural advantages. A ewe has two lambs or more, um, and so there's there's more animals to select from, and they have a shorter generation interval. Um, dairy, they have a few sires across a massive range of daughters, and they collect information from a huge part of the commercial flock. So our the analysis that's led to this program was was done by Abacus Bio, and they pulled out and they figured out a number of four hundred and sixty million dollars that the program is going to be worth to our industry uh, over the next twenty five years. So, and that's a combination of three or four different things. But in answer to your question, we have seen it in sheep. We can demonstrate it in sheep, uh, and we are confident that it'll add real value to farmers and beef as well. Okay. We'll put a few links in the blurb of the podcast. One maybe of some of the, the um, I guess, the, the cost-benefit analyses that have happened to both this project mm-hmm. and, and for the sheep improvement side of things. So that was actually where I was going next around, okay, sounds good, but what's it worth? You've talked a bit about the estimated return. Who's paying? How much is it costing um, over the next seven years? Where's the money coming from? Dan? Yep. Um, so it's, as you said, it's about $16.7 million. Um, that money is coming from the Ministry of Primary Industries, uh, are putting in 40% of that. Uh, Beef and Lamb New Zealand uh, is putting in the lion's share of the rest. And there's some also coming uh, as in kind. Uh, so for the farms that we work with, when they do um, you know, do, do work on our behalf to collect information. So there's, there's some coming in from that as well. Um, so it's a, it's a really big investment from um, Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Uh, it's a real commitment to... Uh, ensure that we um, that our beef farmers stay um, part of our sustainable, profitable um, farming future, right? Part of our communities. I should also note, of course, too, that that through beef and lamb, uh, a, a big chunk of our investment comes from the New Zealand Meat Board, uh, and so the New Zealand Meat Board holds the reserves um, for a rainy day if we were ever to have something terrible like foot and mouth disease, and the um, income off the reserves from their investments they invest in industry good. Uh, projects of which they've spent a lot of money over the past on sheep genetics and now getting into beef genetics as well. Okay, so not not all of Beef and Lamb New Zealand's cash input here is from our annual levy cash flow. It's from some some of the funds, the past levy funds that are held in in, in reserve and investments for this sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you, 60% roughly from Beef and Lamb New Zealand, which is a bit over 10 million. Is that and you mentioned in kind, is that 10 million in cash plus in kind, or is that 10 million including the value of in kind, which is staff time and all those sorts of things? Um, so, so 10 million including the in kind, and so our, our okay. staff time, you know, people like Anna, awesome. um, is, is all included in that, absolutely. Yeah, total investment. So, that's some of the big picture stuff with the program. Let's talk a bit more about what's actually happening on the ground. And people may have seen, I think it was an article recently mentioned Kepler Farm, Pamu's Kepler Farm in the uh, Tianau Basin, I think it is. And people may know or knew Pamu as, as Langcorp. What's happening at Kepler Farm, Anna? What's going on down there? Yes, so hopefully people would have read an article because there has been a few in different magazines. I know I'm definitely um, being asked about it a lot, which is great. So Kepler Farm is located between Tiana and Lake Manapuri. So I'm very lucky to spend a lot of time down there. So it is the our first crossbreed progeny test site. And so we've been lucky in the sense that we are able to run both Angus and Her- Hereford cows down there together in the same mobs. So the first AI mating as part of the progeny test took place in 2020. And this was with sires that uh, from New Zealand studs and also an international link there as well that had been used as sires in either the beef progeny test, the dairy beef progeny test, or actually both on occasion. And what that allowed us to do and why we started like that was it's allowed us to have that really strong linkage, obviously, back to that data set. And that data has been collected uh, from, obviously, the first matings uh, back in 2014 and 2015, respectively, for the two progeny tests. And then also linking to the Australian and uh, New Zealand beef industry through the, through the stud sires. So the first cohort of calves from that mating are obviously on the ground now. We weaned them in March and they're looking fantastic. Now, those calves will be run together and obviously that's going to be a mix 
of purebred calves. So we'll have Angus and Hereford and then the crossbreds of both ways. And they will be measured throughout their lifetime. Obviously, steers will be processed, but uh, they'll be measured uh, on different traits that are relevant to commercial farmers and we already measure as part of the beef progeny test. And that will allow us to, to accurately predict the effect of hybrid vigour on those different traits, such as weaning weight, and then also look at like breed effect um, on, maternal, on maternal traits. Uh, in 2021, mating was done with successfully selected nominated sires from around the country. So every year throughout this program, breeders will have the chance to nominate uh, a bull of choice, hopefully one of their best bulls of choice, that goes through a selection process. And then those are the bulls that we use at this progeny test site. Uh, this will obviously, as I said, 2021 was the first time we did this and it will continue throughout the duration of the program. The data collected on the progeny test um, animals, as I mentioned, will be following the same design as the original beef progeny test, but it will also provide the scope to um, collect data on new traits that we do decide. So that may be, you know, um, whatever it is that we do, do decide to that, you know, is a really unique new trait and we need to start measuring data on, on animals. So the key, um, and we're going to talk about why Kepler and, and, and the future of the program here, and you talked a bit about there about bringing bulls in. Um, the key thing, I think when people talk about central progeny test, particularly it's easy to focus on the last word, test, that it's a competition. But the main purpose is here, when you say best bulls, you actually want well-linked bulls. Is that right? This is to build those genetic links across the industry? Yes, exactly. So the purpose of the progeny test from a beef and lamb genetics point of view is never really to prove individual bulls. So obviously in, the, in this sense, in the crossbreed, it really is to start providing that data for our crossbreed genetic evaluation, and that will be added to data that we've already got collected. But then also, you know, really try to get New Zealand-based data in to accurately predict hybrid vigour, because at the moment we can do that, but it's all off um, literature, and nobody ever really believes a figure until you've collected it in the environments that they're farming in. So the more data that we can get in on that, the better. But as you mentioned, it's not about um, proving one bull over the, the other. And the stronger linked those bulls are, the better, because it makes that evaluation that much stronger. Yep. And I presume it's largely AI mating, You're not tracking in all these bulls? It is. So the, it's largely, largely AI mating, but an important part of the program is that the, the heifers that come through that are born to the progeny test sires, they're actually naturally mated by bulls of choice. Mm -hmm farm bulls of choice for their first two matings because that's okay. providing us that really valuable data on heifer conception, how early that cow is getting in calf, and then also rebreeding um, success as well. So is that cow get, getting back in calf and how early is she getting back in calf, which, uh, you know, we all know is very, very important to basically every beef farmer, beef breeding farmer in New Zealand. So actually another question for you, Anna, just um, occurred to me as you were you were sort of talking there. This is a central progeny test, but we have had a bunch of beef progeny tests in the past. I know closest one to me, there's one at Cabafay and the Hacker Valley, for example. Uh, how do they fit? What was the point of them? Do they link to this or is that just something that was done in the past? Um, it's not related to this program. Well, it's, it's definitely related. So. Uh, I've of, often had the comments, uh, this is not a new progeny test, it's a crossbreed progeny test, it's just a continuation of what we've already mm -hmm. done. So the original beef progeny test, I mean, there was many objectives of it. One of the probably uh, objectives that have stuck into everybody's mind the most was proving that estimated breeding values or EBVs work in a commercial context. We proved that they do. You can have complete or, or very near complete faith and um, selecting size based on the on their figures, but there was obviously also you know other objectives to demonstrate that you know there's not just genetic tools like EBVs and indexes. There's also AI. So that was you know to demonstrate that AI can be successfully undertaken in a commercial environment. That it's not that scary. That it's not that much work. That it's actually really valuable if you want to increase your genetic gain. So there was um, there was obviously yeah, the different objectives there, but that's all linked. So the data that we've collected from the original beef progeny test 
and Mina Ad is still collecting. So we've still got three sites around New Zealand that we're collecting, particularly the maternal data on, that takes that much longer to keep getting that information in. So that data will be combined with their crossbreed progeny test data. And obviously, you know, in terms of evaluation, evaluation in, term of, in terms of estimated breeding values, the more data that goes in, the better, because the higher the accuracy. And then if you throw genomics on there, um, it makes it even more accurate. Awesome. And that may be, if we've got space, I'll put a link to that proof of VBV concept or proof of EBV performance from some of that, that progeny test stuff, because it was a, a really neat bit of work. But um, that's why Kepler, but obviously Kepler's, you said, you know, it's in the Tianau Basin, um, most beef production, most of the beef cow herd, if I is probably still a lot further north than that, in fact, across the Cook Strait. So um, what's the plans for something, and you, you touched on this, people like to see it in their environment or environment similarly, and what's the plans for um, the North Island? Yes, and so that was with the original beef progeny test too. There were sites in both the North Island and the South Island. So as you mentioned, it is to cover those different environmental conditions, but then also I think people relate better to I don't, I'm not saying that there's a divide between the two islands, but, you know, having data collected in the two islands. So we are in the process of uh, communicating with the farm in the North Island to hopefully get on board before the next mating. Um, so that will be the mating at the end of this year. So what this enables us to do, because obviously with another progeny test site added, that increases the number of cows that we can AI. So what that also enables us to do is to select more bulls per breed to test. So they get slightly less progeny born per bull, but we are able to actually, enough still for a, an a evaluation point of view, but it enables us to actually widen that net a bit and give more breeders a chance to, to enter bulls. But it also enables us to incorporate the third largest breed represented in the New Zealand beef industry, which is Simmental. And I mean, it's the eternal debate around just how much genetic environment interactions really happen. But obviously, facial eczema is one where there's no doubt. You know, there's um, facial eczema in the, the North Island and, to be fair, northern and western parts of the South Island and maybe moving south. But um, yeah, that, that environment effect can still be quite significant. So that's uh, the plans. Now, let's get down. And you've touched a wee bit on it between the pair of you, but let's talk some specifics about Ultimately, for breeders, this is important, but our main aim as is, is an organisation is for commercial farmers who have those cows sending calves off it to weaning sales or, or finishing them, etc. So specifically, and in a bit more detail, and this is another one for you, Anna, what's it going to mean for commercial beef farmers behind the farm gate if this all goes according to plan? Yes, well, I think, so as you mentioned, you know, this INZB is driven by the needs of the New Zealand commercial beef farmers and I have already previously mentioned that one benefit that I think um, is huge for beef farmers is that ability to be able to, to select a bull irrespective of breed so have those breeds you know those bulls mm -hmm. on the same platform so have the the ability to be able to do that so they are really hopefully um, selecting the best bull fit for their breeding objectives but also their environment uh, it's obviously also in terms of the extension part of the program and is helping those farmers understand figures better because one thing that I think most people forget is that a lot of commercial beef farmers only see these figures once a year. If they buy yearlings and rising two-year-old bulls, maybe they see them twice, but they get bombarded with catalogues at this time of year, which I love, But and there's a lot of figures in there. I think at the moment there's about 25 different EBVs that can be presented in the catalogue. So it's confusing. So, you know, the extension part of here where we are really committed to trying to, to educate farmers on how to use those figures better, to understand them, um, to understand the traits and to be able to best choose the traits that are um, linked to their breeding objectives, which is, a, which is huge to do before you select a bull. But then also obviously have that chance to, to select a bull on more traits that may be relevant um, to the New Zealand um, industry and enable them to farm or continue to farm sustainably into the future. So that's where you're talking about emissions and facial eczema. Um, I've talked a lot about EBVs, which are estimated breeding values, but there's also indexes too. So, you know, we do have a chance to potentially create New Zealand specific indexes for our different farm systems. I've previously mentioned like how 
diverse our production systems in New Zealand are. So, you know, maybe one of the directions that we'll go is creating smaller sub-indexes that relate to those different systems. So it will make it easier for them. Um, and then, as Dan also mentioned with improve, I think eventually we're aiming for an improve for beef, and that will be on the same platform as improve for sheep. So I kind of call it like a one-stop shop for sire selection. And I think that's amazing. I mean, it's all hopefully people have been on. And if you haven't, I encourage you to go and have a wee look at it. It's very simple to use. You can play with toggles. And once you've had your got your objectives sorted, you can go on there and you can select for traits that you know you need to improve. And you can also select based on location as well. So in my mind, a tool that's as simple as to use as that um, is, is a win-win, really. And Dan, did you want to expand on that? Um, no, I think Anna's covered it really well, right? So, okay. um, uh, yeah, no. Good as gold. That's cool. And, and so, look, there's some really interesting stuff, potentially valuable. The return on investment is something like some enormous amount, $460 million from a $17, $16, 17000000 dollar Thing. But um, is that also the size of the prize is big, but is that actually telling us the size of the problem is pretty big? Genetic gain, and we're choosing our words carefully here, but we're not making the most of genetic gain potential in the beef industry at the moment. Is that what we're saying here? Um, let's say there's room for improvement. So, um, yep. so some people are doing really, really well, right? And and particularly on specific traits, which are important to them. There's been I mean, a big change in how our beef marble over the last... Um, yep. I know, 15 odd years or so, and that's that's credit to the breeders that have been working really hard on that. Um, what we know is that the genetic gain of our beef herd is something like um, a half to a quarter, this is at a national basis, a half to a quarter of our sheep and our dairy herds. So there's, if, if we can improve that by a little bit, there's a, there's a huge amount to be gained, right? Um, you know, I mentioned the New Zealand Meat Board before. The reason why organisations like the New Zealand Meat Board and Beef and Land New Zealand and the government mm -hmm. invest in projects like this is because the, the game falls. The breeders are the ones who do, the, the beef breeders, the stud breeders are the ones who need to make, uh, do a lot of the work, data collection, all of that sort of thing. Um, but the actual value falls to the commercial farmers who Beef and Land represent, right? They, they pay the lion's share of our, our levy. Uh, and so we're investing on on the commercial farmers' behalf because the value will fall to them. That $460 million will end up largely in um, commercial farmers' pockets as opposed to stud farmers' pockets, uh, hence why we invest on their behalf. Yeah, 2,754% is the return on investment. That was what I was working out before before I got Fair on the question. Um, and the key thing there is it's not saying current rate of genetic gain, et cetera, or tools even are bad. It's just we see ways we can do better, and that's the opportunity. Um Speaking of the beef industry, Farmgate, et cetera, and it's always a debate about who takes the credit, but we know a vast majority, I think, or certainly a huge amount of our beef has some dairy genetics in it. So what's in this for dairy farmers, dairy slash beef farmers? You know, we Beef and Lamb New Zealand get a beef levy from dairy farmers. Um, what's the what's the return there for, for dairy farmers themselves and for, for, for that dairy beef chain? Yeah, this sure. is one you so, answer, Dan. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you're dead right. The the dairy farmers are a really important part of beef and lamb's stakeholders, if you like, or levy payers. Um, the focus of this project is squarely on our on our beef stud system and how that information flows through to our um, commercial farms. That said, um, I see it as a really important building block for how the industry, uh, ourselves and Dairy NZ and the processes and, and everyone else, um, keeps improving our dairy beef production. Because you're right, something like 69% um, of all animal, of all beef slaughtered in New Zealand started its life on a dairy farm. So, you know, it's a really crucial part of our beef supply chain. One of the things we're going to get here is that I mentioned before about groups of farmers focusing on different things. There's, there's a big portion of our beef stud stock who focus on supplying dairy size into the dairy industry, right? And so this will, again, give them more tools to be able to do that more effectively and efficiently based on those traits that are important to, um, to their clients. Um, I mentioned before uh, about the data and the work that our guys um, do and our team do managing um, data for the industry. 
a crucial part of um, carrying on improving the dairy industry and the dairy supply chain is about how data moves across the industry and through the industry. So we're going to be setting up the um, infrastructure underneath this program, which makes that work better or allows that to work better. So that when we move on beef and lamb, New Zealand, this is, and, and other industry parties, as we move on to trying to work hard on the dairy beef supply chain, we've got those underlying structures set up. So um, actually later on this afternoon, I'll be meeting with someone from from Dairy NZ's genetic evaluation system to make sure that the work we're doing here speaks and, and works in really nicely with that. Um, and that works the same for international um, data standards as well. Um, so for me, um, to answer your question, what will our dairy farmers see out of this? They'll see um, more well-selected uh, dairy beef bulls, um, mm -hmm. and they'll see a really important building block to a uh, efficient and functioning dairy beef supply chain. Awesome. Now, um, we've talked that talked there about you know beef farmers, commercial beef farmers. We talked about the dairy beef chain and what the beef, I guess, production as a part of a dairy farmer's business. But ultimately, it all starts, and and if it's going to work, Anna, it depends on the breeders. So, what's in it for breeders? Why would they want to be part of this? It's all very well, you know, more beef, better, faster growing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for for commercial farmers, why beef breeders want to going to want to be part, or what are they going to get out of it? Well, ultimately, you know, breeders do want their clients uh, to get the best of their genetics. So the more benefit that a commercial breeder gets, the more benefit they do, hopefully. But um, from a beef breeder point of view, and we also have to realise that most breeders do have a commercial element to their system as well. There's very few that run entirely stud herds, but there's multiple reasons. Um, and, you know, hopefully a lot of breeders throughout New Zealand have obviously seen the benefits of having a bull involved in a progeny test, because even though I mentioned it, you know, it's not a beef and lamb genetics objective to prove a specific bull over another. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a driving force behind a breeder putting a bull in because they want to prove that bull or, well, more than likely prove their genetics in a, a progeny test against others because it's a great benchmark. They then get a very strong linkage as well. So, you know, the ability to actually nominate a bull uh, year on year to be included in that across breed progeny test. And that's the other thing, that's a game changer for this this new progeny test is where they can actually, you know, really approve their genetics against another breed as well. So that's a huge opportunity and, and hopefully breeders really grasp that with two hands moving forward and they can nominate more than one bull too. So just keep that in mind if you're listening. Um, so... Then we've obviously got the the improve for beef. So improve will have the ability uh, once the evaluation is operational for breeders to be able to put their data on that database. This may be done um, through a society level or through an individual level, but that will you know that is an option. Uh, that data will be able to be stored on there. Um, and definitely in terms of that new trait data too. That you know obviously can't be at present sent to breed plan but if they say you know if we start to investigate a new trait such as um, you know methane emissions or something these stud farmers will have the opportunity to start recording it themselves or putting animals into facilities when they can record the data so really start to get that that new data back on their on the animals so that they know that they are breeding the best animals for their clients um, there's also, you know, the new innovations, as I mentioned, this is a great opportunity for, we know our breeders are very innovative, uh, they're very forward thinking, they need to be in terms of breeding, it's a, a slow game, but it's a great game, so you really have to be quite futuristic with your thinking when you're breeding animals, because uh, we know that the environment's ever changing and consumer demand also changes as well. And I think one other part of the evaluation or one thought that we did have was the ability of, of groups of farmers to get together to record traits too. One other element that we haven't actually really mentioned yet, uh, and it, we're just starting to get traction on this as part of the program, is the inclusion of commercially collected data. So at present, most of the data that goes into, into breed plan or any other evaluation is mainly collected on stud herds. And what happens is when that bull is sold to a commercial beef farmer, there is no more data collected on that individual bull himself, on his progeny. 
So the inclusion of commercial data, particularly for traits such as fertility, you know, um, how many bulls uh, is that, you know, sire actually, sorry, how many females is that bull leave, leaving in the herd and how long are they lasting? How quickly are they getting in calf every year? And then, but particularly, I think the biggest thing is the carcass data. So from a breeder point of view at the moment, because they sell most of their animals, uh, the data they get is from the ultrasound muscle scanning on an 18-month-old animal, whether it be a heifer or a bull. But by actually getting car potentially getting carcass data back from processes, particularly those processes that, that measure meat quality, so such as, you know, IMF, AMA, ribbon rump fat, it's actually going to increase the accuracy of the figures that are presented to farmers. And then obviously when you do put that extra layer of genomics on there and, and do that linkage, pedigree linkage, it's going to increase it even more. So they're getting increased accuracy on the figures of their bulls and they're proving their genetics in the commercial environment to their clients, hopefully strengthening those relationships with their existing clients and um, also getting feedback on potentially what they're doing right and what they could improve on as well. Yeah, so that no, that's an interesting one, that ability to get some information back from when the bulls are actually used. And I think that's probably actually a better opportunity in beef than, than sheep potentially, which is quite interesting to hear. Um, but I just want to pick up on one thing you addressed, and I don't know whether this is one for you, Dan, or, or one for you, Anna. Um, you mentioned methane as a, a potential new tray. Um, we've seen it um, starting to be worked on in sheep. Um, and it looks quite interesting. And and there's two reasons for that. I mean, methane obviously may have a, a cost, but also methane's a loss of energy. So um, lower methane reduction tends to be a more efficient animal, irrespective of, of greenhouse gas type things. Uh, is it, what's the, the thinking there? Is this something being worked on? Is it possible in beef? Are we likely to, are there plans to bring it? Or we're, we're, what's the, is it part of the Informing New Zealand Beef Program, Dan? So the very short answer to that is yes. The, um, Slightly longer answer is um, we've got to figure out exactly how. Um, yep. And then there's about a five hour long conversation about the, the details of that. But um, I, I guess what we do know, um, we can select for it in sheep. We've got a breeding value for sheep. We've got farmers out there. And actually, we've got commercial farmers buying rams that are lower methane rams because they're lower methane. So, so we know all that happens in sheep. There's um, work um, funded by um, various people uh, in the dairy industry, looking at the genetic link and, and trying to replicate what we've done uh, in the sheep. And so our job is to um, figure out what they're learning and how we can apply that um, in, on, our, um, on our farms, right? Maybe that'll be a direct measure. Maybe that'll be um, for, for an indirect measure where we actually measure animals' methane output and, so, and, and generate a, a B, EBV. Maybe it'll be more indirect uh, based on... Um, and efficiency in how animals are using grass because methane production is so closely related to their um, feed intake. So feed conversion efficiency becomes a really important part of that. So so lots of us to figure out, uh, Aaron, but um, without a doubt, an important part of the program uh, and uh, a, a big goal for us um, to try and work in with, you know, the pe people are doing a lot of this really good work in New Zealand, um, organisations like the Partial Greenhouse Gas Research Consortium and um, also internationally, right? So Ireland's working really hard on this. The, the researchers in Ireland are working really hard on this. The Australians are starting to come to the come to the party. So um, yeah, watch watch the space, I guess. Awesome. Um, and one more question for you, Anna, just on the breeder side of things. Um, you know, these these tools here. We've talked about the opportunities um, for, for breeders, but any change, any new system has some threats as well um it, it's not you know there's never any um cost free cost free solution etc but how's it going to, i mean how has it been received by breeders so far i mean what's their enthusiasm for the outputs the outcomes from the program i think that if you talk to any breeder because this is the, you know they put a lot of blood sweat and tears into breeding these yeah these animals and it's their business and as I mentioned before they really do want their clients to 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 be happy with the progeny that are being born from these bulls and to continue to come back I mean it's marketing as well really isn't it but mm. so I don't think you could talk to any breeder and, and say to them look uh, if we could give you a body condition score uh, EBV 
and um, ask you to start recording body condition score on your cattle, which is not that hard, and it's it's something we can we can easily educate them um, and obviously train them how to do. They, I don't think they would see that as a negative. Because, but what you need to do when we're actually putting this to breeders in terms of hey, we need a rebreeding fertility trait rather than just days to calving, or we need a body condition score trait rather than ribbon rump. We need to back that up with data or information that's been collected on data and we can do that we're in the luxury of being able to do that because we have all that data from the progeny test so that's what i think we need to do is is back it up with with the key messages we're getting from from the analysis and from gold standard you know measuring as well saying look this is why we need a body condition score um, abv and if they can see that's going to better their cattle and then ultimately better the, you know, their client's benefit from it, I don't think any of them will see a negative. I do think it's a work in progress. Um, I think the, the crossbreeds thing is uh, a moving beast. So I think, you know, there will be some breeders will find huge value in that because personally, you know, if I could say that, that my genetics was the best across three breeds, I would jump at it. But there's also, as you mentioned, there's a risk there as well, because what if it isn't? Um, but then I've all, always been of the viewpoint that if you are able to get information back and say, look, you're doing great at this, but maybe you need to do a bit better on, on that, I don't think that's negative as well. So, mm. And um, I think one important thing to note, and, and you know, uh, we've always consistently said this, is that there is no such thing as a perfect bull. But you can always select the best genetics that are available to you for your system. Awesome. And Dan, you wanted to add a bit to that? Yeah, so a couple of things, eh? Because yeah, this has been a really important conversation for us. Um, breeders have given us some really good feedback as we've developed the program over the last five years. Um, one of those is that they don't want us to replicate stuff for the sake of saying we built it. Um, and I couldn't agree with them more, right? Um, as an industry and an organisation, we don't have enough money to waste building stuff uh, because it makes us feel good. Um, so that's why, you know, we're working with organisations like PBB um, New Zealand, who are um, um, an organisation that work closely with the breed societies. We're working with Breed Plan out of Australia uh, to understand how we can um, not replicate their work, but make it more useful and valuable uh, in, in New Zealand and to New Zealand commercial farmers. Um, work really closely with the breed societies. Um, we've brought on um, people like Anna and Dr. Jason Archer, who are really well respected and well regarded and know what they're talking about. This isn't um, some of us sitting in our ivory towers coming up with um, interesting math solutions. This is These are people who know what they're talking about and are really well regarded um, in the industry. Uh, and we're having really good success. We're, you know, we're, we're constantly in, in communication with um, the breed, breeders across the country, and it's going really well. We have... Um, advisory groups who are giving us feedback on on how what we're doing. They give us good feedback on things we're we're getting not quite right, which is great as well. Um, so so yeah, really happy with how that that's going. It is fair to say that um, not everyone's going to agree with us all the time, uh, and that's good too, because that means that we're we're pushing the boundaries a little bit, uh, and we want to keep it that way. And it's an, I remember actually, I don't want to keep harking back to it, but I'm a bit more familiar with the sheep stuff. And I remember one of our sheep staff, it might have been Mark Young, Dr. Mark Young, once saying it's easier in breeding to catch up than to, to get a gap at the start. If you know where you're behind, you buy a bull or a ram and you can fix that problem. Um, last question, I guess, Dan, um, and, and unless there's something else you two wish to throw on that we've missed, but um, for commercial farmers, be they you know a beef farmer or a dairy farmer who is is producing beef out of their, their dairy cows, when can those farmers expect to get their hands on the, some of the tools? When's it going to make start making a difference for what they are seeing when they go to buy a bull or buy semen? Yes, cool. I'm gonna. Can I just finish off answering the last question because I thought of a key thing I forgot to say. What the breeders yeah, are it. really exciting about excited about is the extension piece, right? Um, they they breeders are, are concerned that beef and lamb is a as a um, teaching or learning organisation has let beef genetics slide a bit over the last number of years. And so they're really excited to see us investing um, substantially back into um, helping commercial farmers understand their um, figures and making good bull decisions. Right. To answer your second question, when are farmers going to see something? All right. Um, first off is we've already got some information coming out. So Anna talked about the body condition score uh, information that we've found. 
uh, that's come through from our previous progeny test and, and adding into the information we've got with our current one. Um, so some of the data and knowledge and learning is happening already. Um, same with the extension. Um, people hopefully will be aware that the Anna ran an online um, beef, better beef buying workshops uh, in the last little while. So we're, we've got that extension system starting to build up. We've got a, a piece of work that Ange McFetridge is running for us around how we make sure that we um, be really innovative in our extension program. Um, the team are working on some initial evaluation work, starting with body condition score. Uh, and so we'll start to see those come through in the next six months or so. They'll be very much research focused. Um, and so they won't be available for farmers to use because there'll be too many bugs and, and those sorts of things in them at this stage. It's really building the, the infrastructure rather than the results at this stage. Uh, and then in the next few years, we'll, we'll start to develop more traits. Um, commercial farmers will start to see tools, things like Improve for Beef, as probably two or three years away yet. Um, we need to build that infrastructure underneath uh, before we get to the stage where we've got tools which are effective and we're confident will help farmers make good decisions. So um, lots of work to be done under the hood, if you like, um, but we will certainly have have things out on the road. At, maybe, Anna, you might be about to mention about the next gen herds. Yeah, yeah cool. Thank you, Dan. So I did just want to mention uh, the commercial herd recording, which I touched on earlier, that we are phrasing next generation herds, not to be confused with beef and lambs generation next. So uh, what that is, is the uh, option for commercial, interested commercial farmers, beef farmers, to start recording data on their animals, on their cattle. So that's a way of, of proving that or getting data back on how a bull was performing. As we move through the years, commercial beef farmers really are having to spend a considerable amount of money, you know, for, for a beef farmer on, on, a, on a good bull. Uh, I don't know if you would have read a recent article saying how predicting quite um, reasonable bull prices this year because of the beef schedule. So that this... this uh, part of the program is a chance for beef farmers to start recording how their bull's performing. And that can be as simple as, you know, seeing how many females that bull's actually getting in calf. A lot of beef farmers mob mate. So they might have three to four bulls out in a big hill block. And you don't actually know if one of them has done nothing, just sat in the corner and sulked for, for six weeks and done absolutely nothing. So as simple as that, but then also, you know, how is that bull's progeny performing at waning? How many um, of that bull's females are actually getting back in calf the second time? How long are those females are lasting? Farmers love, love longevity. You know, I could have a massive conversation about longevity because I'm very much on that boat. But, you know, are those cows staying in a herd for, you know, nine to ten years because they're getting back in calf, because they're getting back in calf early? Um, but then also, you know, being able to potentially tap into that carcass um, information as well. So how well is that bull's progeny performing in terms of meat quality, which is huge? That's something that's never going to go away. Um, and, you know, if we can hopefully, you know, potentially help beef farmers, you know, hit more um, of the beefy Q grade, for example, that's more money directly in, in their pocket. So, the commercial herd recording is a part of the program. As I mentioned, it's um, slowly gaining traction now, but it is an opportunity for people that it will suit farmers too that um, may do a bit of recording already. They might have these beautifully color-coded Excel sheets or, you know, they, uh, I don't know, note a cow that's consistently under condition and are interested in whether that, whether that cow's under condition because she's weaning a whopper calf or because she's just a, a poor cow. So it's people that are doing a little element, are interested in breeding, are interested in genetics, but don't want to breed bulls because that's it's it's another layer, right? So it's time consuming. It's it won't fit most people's um, objectives, and that's not the point of the program. Uh, so that will be something moving forward. I'm really excited. You know, um, we'll be heavily involved with that. Uh, I'll be on farm with those interested farmers for the first year in particular, to train them in any traits they need to get trained in, such as body condition score, but just to assist them with 
data management, um, collection, data flow, and things like that. So until one note though is until Improve is operational, where we can provide some, you know, figures back, we will in the interim make sure that we provide valuable reports back to the farmers involved as well. So uh, we're currently in the process of working with some of the first farmers to to really tap into what they think would be of value to them on farm. And it's obviously going to differ, but it may be as simple as seeing, you know, like uh, a graphical representation of how the body condition score and their different mobs is tracking over time or, you know, what their in-calf rate has been. So I think that's a huge opportunity and um, no doubt we'll get a lot of people involved. Awesome. You certainly sound enthusiastic. I should have guessed. Um, so that next generation, that's the actual official title of what you're talking before about breeders being able to get information about their bulls after they left the sale yard and what they're actually doing on the ground. So right. it, links into, it links into that, yes. And so yeah. what, how we kind of design that, it's kind of um, a bit of a, a New Zealand steal on um, Team Tamania in Australia where they lease bulls out, get commercially data collected on those bulls and then bring them back in and it's all fed into their valuation. So we kind of designed it where we will hold their hand a bit in their first first year, hold it or not hold it, dependent on the person. But um, And then, you know, step away, but hopefully because there is that benefit to the stud breed as well that, you know, those studs that that farmer's buying from will hopefully get the benefit, will get the contribution from the breeder and support that they need moving forward as we step back. Cool. Awesome. Hey, look, um, we've gone through most of what we were talking about where we're going, but is there anything else either of you want to cover, Ed, you think we've missed? No, no look, we've done a great job. Thanks, Aaron. So for those Thank of you out there listening to this, wanting to hear more, it'll be on all Beefland New Zealand's channels, on our e-diary, on our social media, on our website. Um, you'll be seeing articles from, and if you haven't already, in the farming media, we'll be making sure we get that information out there over the, how many years to go? How long's the programme actually been running now? We said it's going to be seven years in total, but when did it start? Uh, we we started uh, a year ago, so we're a year, year and now, yeah. six more to run. Six more years, keep an eye out. So look, um, we don't have any more. So without further ado, I'll just say thanks very much, Dan Breyer, GM of Farming Excellence and as part of that GM of Beef and Lamb New Zealand Genetics. And Anna Boyd, who has a very long genetic operations specialist for beef at Beef and Lamb Genetics title. So look, thank you very much. Thank you very much, both of you, for your time. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Aaron.